Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. You know, Julie, there was a, I think it was a Mad Magazine from like ages back. Like it was published before my birth and I ended up like finding it in a stack of my dad's old magazines and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one that depicted the this medieval space race. Between, uh, you know, kind of like a, the holy war between uh, the, the West and, and, uh, and the Middle East, except it was uh, the space race. Okay. And uh, so you had the Catholic Church blasting off into space on a, a rocket that was propelled. Uh, it, it didn't have, a, you know, a rocket engine in the lower portions of, of the uh, of the spaceship, but it had all these monks and they were just uh, like busy praying. And it was uh, propelled into orbit via contemptus mundi, uh, contempt for the earth. <laughs> and that was how they would achieve uh, uh, orbit. I like it. Yeah. But uh, as it turns out, the, while there is not necessarily a Catholic uh, space program or a, or a Vatican space program uh, per se, the, the Vatican uh, and the, the Catholic Church is, is very interested in the cosmos. Right. I mean, to a certain extent, they have been for a long time because, uh, uh, I mean, there was a, a, a time back in the Middle Ages you had to study astronomy uh, in order to uh, understand theology. Right. Um, the, the Catholic Church was interested in calendars, so they're interested in the way the, the, the spheres are moving. And there's just a rich history of the two overlapping each other, at least until things become shaky, right? Yes, yes. And, and of course, that brings to mind Galileo, yes. right? And the whole heliocentric model, yeah. which turned 
the Catholic Church on, on its head back yeah. in the day. Yeah, going from uh, the idea that the the Earth was the center of the universe to something else might be the center of the universe, namely the sun, and uh, and that it's kind of like you can keep keep telling me science, but the second when it starts interfering with the theology, then we're going to have to have a serious frank discussion about why you're a heretic and why you should agree with us on this one. Right, right. Because yeah. there's this idea, right, that uh, humans have sort of a birthright to the universe. Right. And so if you're going to tell me that Earth is not the center of, of it all, then who, you know, who is the center of the universe if it's not humans? Yeah. So that was like the main problem, right? Yeah. Now, since that time, the, the theology has come around to uh, encompass this uh, this idea. But at the time, the theology was not going to shift. No, it yeah. took them 350 <laughs> years to admit that Galileo was right. Yeah. And in 2009, they erected a statue to him. And yeah. I'm going to bet, I haven't seen the statue, but I'm going to bet it's not of him kneeling before the tribunal. Yeah, or broken by the Inquisition. Right, yeah. right. Saying, no, no, it was, never mind. That was <laughs> all wrong. Uh, Philip Glass did a, I believe, yeah, Philip Glass did a, an opera about Galileo. Is that Of recall? course he yeah. did. I have not seen it, but my understanding is that it, it's told in reverse. So it starts with a broken Galileo, uh, you know, with everything in his life in shambles and then works backwards. I love that guy. But every yeah. time I think of him, I always think of the, the sort of corresponding um, dance moves that tend to go along <laughs> with any Philip Glass music. And it's always like people rolling back and forth on a on a uh, floor. Wow. What, you, you go to some interesting dance clubs. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see that? Um, well, not oonst, so. oonst, oonst, and then the roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the house remixes of, uh, of Philip Glass. Yeah. But no. So, yeah, there's there, there, there's the whole hullabaloo <laughs> yeah. of heliocentrism. Which mirrors, in a, in a weird way, the search for extraterrestrial life, right? Right. Uh, because they, again, it's furthering that idea of, well, if it's, if it's, if it's not us, or, you know, who is it? Are there other people out there? This idea that, um, this anthropomorphic idea of being questioned. Yeah. That people are going to be like, hey, God created, uh, Adam and Eve, not, uh, Klinglor and Suvakan or something, you know. I mean, it, uh, I mean, just the idea that if we were to find alien, it, like it, it throws a lot of things in, into you. You have to reevaluate a lot of accepted theology, like the idea that, right, um, accepted within the various churches that uh, that say that God created humans in His image. Like, right. Then what does that mean if they're aliens? What is their role? Are they do, do they need to be saved? Do they need to be converted? Or are they good? What's the, what yeah. are the rules? So it's really fascinating that the Catholic Church would involve itself so heavily mm-hmm. as of late, like the last two years in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not so much because of their past history. Um, you know, they're very academic in terms of, um, their view on, um, cosmology, but the fact that they would even embrace the idea of aliens existing yes. is sort of shocking. Yeah, because it is one of those things that, like I say, it would just, it would throw a wrench into, uh, I'm not saying, you know, theology would, would have to shift to it and, and belief would change. Right. But, uh, it would cause a lot of people to have to reevaluate how they view the universe. Right. So, enter a man by the name of Guy. Consulmanio. Consulmanio. Um, who, uh, who I, actually, I got to see him a couple of years back yeah. when he came and, uh, and uh, spoke at a lo- local college. Um, he's a fascinating guy. He's a really interesting dude. He maintains the uh, Vatican's meteorite collection, among other things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has two degrees in Earth and Planetary Science from MIT, and he works for the Pope. Yeah. So that's how he's sort of bridging this whole, uh, you know, Catholic Church and, and science movement as of late. 
And uh, specifically, he studies the origins of asteroids, dwarf planets, and objects orbiting the sun beyond Neptune. Mm -hmm. And he entered the Jesuit order in 1991. And this is what I thought was interesting, uh, too. He has an interest in science because he was greatly influenced by science uh, fiction. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he has has a really cool beard, too, I have to say. He has a magnificent beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just a very well-spoken guy, like you say, though. I mean, he's been, he's been making the rounds recently. Yeah. Uh, not speaking, not just at, uh, faith-based colleges, but also, uh, showing up on, like, the Colbert Report, even. Uh, you know, kind of not, not exactly the most, uh, risk-free, uh, interview environment. Uh, you know, he's, he's showing up, uh, he's just all over the lecture circuit. No, but he's a savvy guy. Yeah, and he's got a savvy. lot of very interesting things to say about yeah. how the church is squaring, um, you know, space exploration and aliens, uh, the existence, the possible existence of aliens with theology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and very upfront about say that, you know, the church getting it spectacularly wrong about Galileo or, uh, or even, you know, touching on issues of, uh, uh, of intelligent design and, uh, and evolution. Like he's not going so far as to say, yeah, the church should just be totally behind evolution, but mm-hmm. he's, he's, you see him really stomping on, uh, especially the American, uh, conservative branch of, uh, intelligent design. Which oh, he, yeah. He calls it bad theology. Yeah. And he says that it's been hijacked by American creationist fundamentalists and that it's essentially turning Christianity into a pagan god who's responsible for lightning and thunder. Yeah. Rather than the earth being responsible for its atmosphere, which is like, whoa. Yeah. Like, consider that this is coming from, uh, someone in the Catholic Church. But there is a really interesting quote that I pulled, and this is from a SciComm UC Santa Cruz interview by Alyssa Poe. And she asked him, what's your advice for scientists, believers who don't necessarily wear a collar? So you're, you know, you believe in God, but uh, you're a scientist. And he said, there's nothing to be gained by talking religion in the scientific context. It doesn't belong there. I'd like to see more scientists who are churchgoers talk about their science in their church to their fellow parishioners, letting them know that science isn't the enemy. I think there's a great hunger for science among everyone. It's a human desire to know how the universe works. Also, you can't do science without admitting I don't have all the answers. Unfortunately, that's never the way science is communicated. Scientists like saying I've got the answers when, in fact, real science says, no, I don't have the answers. I'm still trying to find them. That would lower the temperature of any discussion. So I thought, you know what, that is a really interesting measured way to talk about that. You know, it's, it's basically the idea that uh, that science is, is really important, obviously, and sets out to, to answer some extremely important questions about life. But maybe that uh, that religion has, uh, has has an important role in the uh, the ethical dimensions of life that are uh, outside the realm of science. Right. He's saying that, you know, in, in terms of his interpretation of the Bible, he doesn't take it literally. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are these are wonderful stories to glean lessons from. But, and I think that's his problem with the whole creationism thing yeah. is that there's a lot of, uh, literal stuff going on there. But it, I have thought about this guy that, you know, he's, he is fascinating, um, to know more about. And in fact, if you want to go to SciComm and see the UC Santa Cruz interview by Alyssa Pohl, you can find out a lot more about him. But I sort of wondered, is this the guy who's driving, uh, this sort of mission from the Catholic Church or is this just, you know, them being progressive? Yeah, or is this the progressive guy that has a, that really has, that again is, is really driving so, something in the church, or is mm-hmm. this the progressive guy that they let off the leash to, <laughs> right. to sort of make good with the media? Right. Uh, because you, you see some other, uh, other things that the church is, uh, is doing recently that, um, that, that is, that falls into similar ground. 
for instance, the church uh, recently backed an adult stem cell research company called Neostem to the tune of about a million dollars, which, granted, that's kind of chump change for the, the church, but right. still uh, <laughs> something as, as, as volatile as, as stem cells. Uh, you know, and they're, you know, they're not going to get behind uh, anything but adult stem cells, right. obviously, at this point. But still, they, they at least, uh, you know, threw a few bucks behind uh, the adult stem cell research, which was which is which is interesting. Well, and, and again, that's the scientific research part of it. Yeah. Right. So they are furthering that mission for, for science. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also hosted a conference between astronomers, physicists bi- and biologists to discuss the existence of alien life. And what effect it would have on the church and Christianity. And astronomist Father Fuentes, uh, he said that the search for ET does not conflict with our faith, quote, because we cannot put creative limits on the freedom of God, unquote. So again, there's some really interesting messaging coming out of the Catholic Church about this. Yeah, uh, this, this guy's the same, uh, the same one who, who said that uh, aliens might potentially live in uh, a sinless state, which, which I think. Yeah. I read that and went, (laughs) (laughs) like, I still have a big question mark over my head about that. Yeah. Well, it it does underline an interesting idea. I mean, it gets into the idea of what if we come across alien life and they're far better than us. They're superior to us. They're technologically, morally, ethically way better than us. Then we wouldn't be able to, you know, walk into the room and say, hey, we got some, uh, some pamphlets we want you to read. And they're like, no, thank you. We're, uh, you know, we've evolved beyond consciousness and, uh. We're sinless. Yeah, and they're they're sinless, by the way. You read our pamphlet. Um, Yeah, it's funny. uh, Someone had posed the question about whether or not uh, Consolmagno would baptize an alien. uh And he said, well, of course, if if they would like that. Um, But then he went on to say, like, you know, it's it's probably not likely that we're going to find this being. And there's the question of it being intelligent and us being able to communicate with it. And so it's not really a practical question. Yeah, if you add... It depends on who you ask about the whole, like, you know, what are what are the chances that there's life in in, in the in the uh, the universe beyond us, mm-hmm. and uh, and then what are the chances that it's intelligent, and then what are the chances that we'll encounter it? It becomes a a safer and safer bet that the church is making here by talking about it at all, you know, because it's like yeah. it's kind of like I can talk all day about how great I'm going to be of an alien lands in the uh, the office here at work. But we both know it's not going to happen. So I'm not going to yeah. have to. You know, I can say I can. I'll bake cakes and uh, give speeches all day, but I'm not going to have to learn any lines or bring any baking stuff to. Like they're work. not going to have to commit to baptizing aliens. Yeah. And, and really getting behind that in earnest, right? Yeah, it's. Yeah, so it's it's a safe bet. Yeah, that's that's my read on it. No, I know. I think it's very interesting, and I think you know, is this are they ahead of the curve, or you know, is this a marketing stunt? Yeah, we uh, we were making the uh, comparison yesterday to the episode of The Office, the American uh, yeah. version, where uh, everyone's afraid of age discrimination. So Creed, <laughs> the uh, the older creepy dude on the show, um, he shows up to work with his hair dyed black and starts t- trying to talk about things that are young and hip. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the cynical side of me reads a lot of this and, and, and sees Creed with his obviously dyed black hair where it's, you know, it's like the old church saying, hey, how about those space aliens? So so what you're saying is that the church is trying to appeal to a wider audience and is wearing skinny jeans underneath their vestments. I, I think that's one view that one that one can take. That's one interpretation of what's going on. Um, I I'm, I'm I don't necessarily think that's I, there are probably a lot of 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 minds uh, 
behind this movement. And there's some people, I'm sure Guy totally believes in what he's, he's putting out there. Oh, no. You know? I mean, that's the th- interesting thing about this person is that he, he's obviously, he's a scientist, yeah. you know, uh, through and through. Uh, he just, I think he happens to wear the collar. Right. And he's, tr- again, he's trying to square that for himself, possibly, and for the Catholic Church and for our perception of that. So there's no doubt. I, I don't think that he's like any sort of marketing machine. I think he's the real deal. And mm-hmm. that's why he's so fascinating. He's got some really interesting insights into science and theology. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll know on the marketing side if mm-hmm. that's really what they're pursuing. If the Pope, you know, addresses an audience and starts like, dropping LOL references or, <laughs> um, or like Creed comes out with some blue hair, perhaps. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. It's hard to say, but I think it's a fascinating proposition for where we are right now that the Catholic Church is looking at science in this way mm-hmm. and opening the discussion and, and asking people to to consider their place in the world in the in the context of um, of life, life outside of the earth. Yes. I'm trailing off a little bit on that because I'm like, yeah, I don't want to get too philosophical, but you know, I think you're picking up what I'm putting down there. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it makes me think of a line, uh, a quote that I got from a, a professor by the name of Varadaja V. Raman, and he's the author of Truth, Intention, and Science and Religion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, if, if I remember correctly, he's actually, um, uh, uh, a Hindu. Yeah. Um, and he has a, uh, he has a lot of interesting ideas on this because he, he often puts out that, that there's not as much, there's not really a clash between science and Hinduism. That, uh, the, the, the controversies between science and, uh, and religion tend to exist, uh, more in Western societies. And, uh, and he had this great bit uh, that he told me. He said, I seriously doubt that the dialogue between religion and science will cease. But I do believe that as a result of these exchanges, religion is likely to become less irrational in some of its expressions in some of its expressions. In fact, one would hope that the greatest contribution science can make in calming religion is to eradicate the many unpleasant, unhappy, and in many cases destructive aspects of religious expression. So I I personally find that really encouraging. I like this view that that it's not a situation of science and religion duking it out and just extremists on both sides. Them, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that these two things can can coexist in a in a way that is not harmful to the culture as a whole. Yeah, and I've always wondered why we've had to set up this paradigm of the other. Yeah. You know, as humans in order to think that we have to exist the way we exist. Mm-hmm. Um so I do think it's interesting that that both sides could possibly come to the table and for for the greater good of humanity. Yeah. I, I'm holding out for that. Yeah, and and I like the idea that finding alien life wouldn't just freak everyone out and send everybody into a tizzy. Because I I don't feel like my I mean my worldview would be changed significantly if if we sure. if, if we found aliens. But you know it's I don't I wouldn't jump off a building. So do you think the aliens might be wearing a funny hat? That's the question. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we have any listener emails? Oh, we do have some listener email. Um, a listener by the name of uh, Mr. Squirrel. Right? <laughs> and, you know, you get to choose. Of course. You get to choose your own name on the internet. So go for it. Um, says hi. I love the squirrel. <laughs> no, he says hi. I love the podcast. Uh, I had a few quick additions to your subliminal meshing podcast. In particular, I'm fascinated fascinated by the way ways in which casinos have used it to keep their clients paying. 
Um, and then it, he, uh, Mr. Squirrel adds uh, these uh, three examples. No, no visible clocks anywhere on the floor on the floor to cause people to lose track of time. Bright flashing lights and loud sounds to disorient and tantalize people with the chance of winning. And a maze-like floor design so that people will walk by many games on their way in and out. Hmm. So. I'm seeing some similarities with casinos and workplaces a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. What do we have? We don't really have clocks around. Hmm. We have a, somewhat of a maze. We do. But uh, it doesn't go through like a gift shop or anything. Well, you haven't been to the gift shop? I haven't. The, where, where, where's the gift shop? Oh, man. Oh, if man. you haven't been, I don't know that I can tell you. Okay. That's not a janitorial closet. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Well, cool. Those are, yeah, I mean, casinos are, are very interesting. Uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on just the oh, ways yeah. that, the, that they mess with people and, uh, and ensnare them. Oh, um, yeah. And it wouldn't be fascinating, too, to run an MRI on someone who's gambling. Who it would. Yeah. What's going on in that head of yours as you're playing the one armed bandit? Um, here we have another one from a uh, listener uh, by the name of Ifren or Efren. And uh, they're writing in response to the Attack of the Creative Brain podcast. Uh, they say, I'm an artist, a visual artist. So many times I have thought, I'm crazy. And I've gone on to accept that just because I'm an artist. Uh, until you said that it could be possible that my mind just gets overloaded with ideas. Um, I've, I've accepted my craziness. And I know that I'll, I'm always thinking of ideas nonstop. I can't help it. If someone says something about, a, I don't know, a tree, I'll immediately picture trees in my head. I'll draw them in my head a variety of ways. And I'll automatically begin to brainstorm idea after idea like I'm watching it being created in my head rather than contributing. I feel there are ideas in my head that are originally mine. And I feel there are ideas in my head that I have received. I've always felt like just a vessel. I know I'm just a vessel. And now thinking of it, it kind of makes me think of another podcast of yours, is, is your gut a genius, when you guys said that we are just host to all of this bacteria, so is our brain too. Am I simply a transmitter equipped with the dexterity and circumstances to receive, interpret, and relay creative information through visual representation? So is the crazy my ability to organize these ideas? A mental stenographer is what I am in, the, in, in great need of. Let me know if you come across one. Thanks for your input. So Again, another great <laughs> email with tons of insight. Because we did. We talked about that. We talked about the parallels between, um, you know, people who have this ability to, to not filter um, out as many ideas, right? And I believe mm-hmm. this was the uh, the flow of neurons. Yes. And... And then there was the, this schizophrenic aspect. And that doesn't, that's not saying that people who share this similar, um, brain action are all crazy. It just says that, you know, they've, they've studied schizophrenics and they've studied people who are highly creative and they notice that the same thing happens. Yes. Um, so it's really interesting to hear a firsthand account about that. Yeah. Just an insight into the artistic mind and like what's going on when you're creating things. So, yeah. so cool. Thanks for letting us know about that. And, and so if you have any interesting ideas you want to share about how casinos ensnare our mind, how the creative process works, or indeed, uh, if you have any uh, thoughts on the whole, uh, um, a combination of church and cosmos and, uh, and the Vatican's interest in space and how that might relate to your own worldview, then let us know. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Blow the Mind. And you can always drop us a line at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.
Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.